Welcome to the Research in Focus podcast. I'm Susan O'Neill, the Associate Dean Academic and Research for the Faculty of Education at Simon Fraser University. This podcast focuses on in-depth interviews and conversations with our faculty members on their research activities and the impacts of their work locally and worldwide. The book, Disrupting the Boundaries in Education, is a collaboration of an interdisciplinary group of professors at SFU that explores the question, how can we work together in new ways across our scholarly location of early childhood education, mathematics, language, adult learning, and teacher education? Hi, I am Marcus, and welcome to episode 2 of the Researching Focus podcast. In this episode, I interviewed Professor Suzanne Smith, who is one of the co-authors of this book. In addition to talking about her contributions in the development of the book, she also talks about her current research projects. Enjoy! Well, thank you so much for being here with us today. Um, going to just be talking about your projects and um, I heard that you just uh, released a new book. Do you want to talk about what was that project and what the book is about? Yeah, sure. It's um, Disrupting Boundaries in Education, Research and Practice and it was written with um, a kind of a collective authorship which is a new way for me and I think all of us to write. Uh, which I'll talk about in a minute. And the co-authors are Cher Hill, who's in teacher education um, in our faculty, Margaret McDonald, who's in early childhood education, uh, Diane Dagenet, who is, of course, uh, second language, French language education, and pluriliteracies in in, uh, older children's education, (laughs) intermediate and... uh, Kelleen Tui, who is also uh, very interested in multilingual, multiliteracies uh, and multilingualism in classrooms mm-hmm. through ethnography, um, and Natalie Sinclair, who oh, is nice. in math education. Yeah. Um, so we're a really diverse group of people, yeah. and we, uh, we kind of just came together following one of the... Uh, Dean had, used to have um, lunches with faculty members and maybe 15 people would come and he would have a series of these lunches where we would have smaller groups and just talk about ideas for growing the faculty uh, and so on. And one of the ideas he put on the table at that time was um, was that they were, the faculty really wanted to support and encourage interdisciplinary and collaborative scholarship. So from that we kind of just opened up um, a group and yeah. invited people to join. Uh, originally, we thought we would be seven, mm-hmm. so we called ourselves the G7, <laughs> but yeah. we were in the end six, but uh-huh. we still called ourselves G7, and then as we talk about it in the book, for us, it's always that the extra place there is yeah. is about the potential and possibilities, mm-hmm. uh, which is kind of becoming a very uh, a new thread, at least in my scholarship, mm-hmm. around looking at research differently. So... Yeah, so we ended up working, just getting together and getting to know each other, uh, talking together, reading different um, texts together. Natalie Sinclair introduced us to what some people call new materiality, others mm-hmm. call um, post-human or more-than-human studies, um, relational ontologies. Uh, and she introduced us to this huge new yeah. body of work and, mm-hmm. and philosophy. Um, it was just really fun. and. We, you know, I for one was 
really excited and you know then we all went on our own reading kind yeah. of trajectories and and had a place to share together um, mm -hmm. and so disrupting boundaries in education research and practice is kind of the product of that work um, mm -hmm. yeah yeah so, it sounds mm -hmm. like besides the fun you also learned a lot from this experience of um, working in the multi-professional uh, different scholarships yeah, I mean, I think that's the big, that was one of the um, really important things about this project is new materiality and relational ontologies ask us to question the boundaries that are made, that we make, and ask us how things are the way they are and how they could be different. Um, and one of the concepts we were working with in our group was introduced by Karen Barad, who is a... Uh, a physicist and a feminist scholar and she introduces um, this really interesting idea of the a gentle cut um, through her work uh, her research on the work of Niels Bohr the physicist the Danish physicist and um, what she says is that the a gentle cut really asks us to pay attention to how we create boundaries and disciplines in the first place why are things put together in the way they are um, and um, and the ways in which the apparatus or the kinds of thinking and mechanisms that create these boundaries um, should also be under interrogation yeah. <laughs> and not taken for granted. And so for us, we were in our own way living that um, desire to trouble the boundaries or the gentle cut around disciplines. Yeah. Um, and we are in a faculty without disciplines, although we do tend to still talk about ourselves as literacy educator, mm -hmm. language educator, science educator, um, ph uh, education philosophy versus social theory, It's uh, and math, of course, and physics, and yeah. all these things have their different territories or yeah. disciplines. And what we were trying to do, and which we were able to do at least together, is to kind of trouble those boundaries and see for example, um, how they got put together in the per first place and mm -hmm. what, who they serve okay. and whether these cartographies of academic discipline, disciplinary kind mm -hmm. of uh, regimens or regimes yeah. are serving us in terms of knowledge creation. Mm -hmm. uh, so yeah, so our book was really about bringing together scholars working in different areas mm -hmm. but then re-reading each other's work um, and using another concept that Donna Haraway um, has introduced about of diffraction. Mm -hmm. So for example, bringing diff very different theories um, and um, different ontologies mm -hmm. into the analysis of one's data. So for example, Natalie uh, analyzed some video data I had of, of a tutor and a learner mm -hmm. working on a computer together yeah. trying to get a password. Okay. And she did a really wonderful diffractive analysis from the perspective of rhythm yeah. and the ways in which the rhythm of gazing at the screen and the keyboard mm -hmm. and the tapping of the keys and where the eyes were going, these embodied things mm -hmm. that we don't pay a lot of attention yeah. to, yeah. Um, were really uh, very important in kind of configuring the power relationships mm -hmm. in that particular pedagogical encounter. Yeah. So that was just one example in the book of these diffractive analyses and how they were opening up for us new ways of under of analyzing data and, mm -hmm. and new ways of um, understanding learning. Yeah, that's very interesting. So yeah, it's fun. This, yeah, it sounds like <laughs> the whole group.
group had a lot of fun doing this project, especially because it sounds like you are learning from each other and, and questioning those boundaries and making sure that you, you're going beyond the, this paradigm of you have to have those, the, the, the math, science, and, and, and all those groups, but you're also questioning how you can go beyond that. Is that what... Yes, I mean, that, that's certainly one of the things we, we tried to do together was okay. um, to learn how the, the different, our, the, our different fields of practice are kind of put together and, <laughs> and what that allows us to see and then what it doesn't allow us yeah. to see. Yeah. Because if we are engaged in the academy in creating new knowledge, then yeah. we have to be prepared to try on new yeah. ideas, yeah. And, and as disruptive as they are. Yeah, that's, that's <laughs> yeah. very interesting. And, yeah. and what's the contribution that you can see, um, that the, the, if you can share with us, the most important contribution of this project to the um, educational uh, community? Well, the book came out about a month ago. Okay. <laughs> very recent, uh, yeah. yeah, very recently, so I don't know yeah. about the book okay. itself. Okay. Um, but if we go back to a an idea of force and, yeah. f and physics and maybe yeah. a bit of a Deleuzian uh, and Guattarian concept of, um, of becoming, okay. um, then I think for us, at least for me, speaking for myself, it, it, en it enabled or it set in motion a line of flight into new ways of thinking okay. that carry into other parts of my life and scholarship. Yeah. And so, you know, if we think of physics, <laughs> yeah. we think that sometimes it's those small and imperceptible, not always recognizable by a publication yeah. or, you know, um, a tweet or <laughs> yeah. any kind of mark in the world. Nevertheless, it's sometimes it makes a difference. Yeah. Um, and so I think, um, you know, in scholarship, we pay very close attention to publications as the way we make differences in the world. And certainly mm -hmm. it is one because yeah. we read and and that was a very important part of our work together yeah. in the book. But I think sometimes also scholarship can be about creating um, new uh, new forces, mm -hmm. new lines of flight, new possibilities yeah. that, that are indeterminate. We don't know what yeah. the result of them are, and we yeah. don't know where they will end, or they don't know well they were, if they will ever end. And maybe some scholarship might not be important um, for 50 years yeah. or a hundred or a thousand yeah. so I think the idea is to work in the world mm -hmm. and engage with in the with the ideas of others um, and to pay close attention to how things matter mm -hmm. and how we might intervene to yeah. to uh, make a difference yeah yeah it, it sounds like your your work is influenced by many different scholarships and, and one that you mentioned today was physics. Mm -hmm. um, is, is that something that it's also related to your current projects? No, like I'm no. not a physicist <laughs> at all. Okay. I had to, to re we read together um, Karen Barad's uh, Meeting the Universe Halfway okay. uh, and it was a fabulous book, like so amazing, but it took me a really long time to read yeah. it <laughs> and to understand the concepts mm -hmm. and how she was using them because it was a completely new terrain. Yeah. Um, and I would say similarly with um, a lot of Deleuze and Guattari's work. And mm -hmm. Once you get into the flow of the writing, yeah. then you if you don't pay attention so much to logical connectors and things like that, yeah. you just get, you actually become embodied, you become, yeah. you just move with the text. Mm -hmm. um, then I found that not so much about cognitive understanding, but an embodied understanding of the meanings. And I think mm -hmm. that's what they are trying to, they were achieving in their, mm -hmm. in their work. So 
Um, so no, I'm not a physicist <laughs> and I can't claim any knowledge in the field. But what I find fascinating is that when we go away from, we move out of our comfort zones yeah. and we read ideas that are new to us, yeah. they, help, they can illuminate aspects of our scholarly practice mm -hmm. um, in new ways. And so um, what the book Disrupting Boundaries um, has led to for me is, is work, um, I mean, my, my scholarship and the work that I contributed in the book was um, on adult literacy and okay. digital inequality. So mm -hmm. I'm very interested in um, how out-of-school settings, older youth and adults, um, are are using technologies um, how they're being how their lives are shaped by new technologies especially mm -hmm. if they are on the margins of access yeah. um, and what the pedagogies look like um, mm -hmm. and what they could look like um, if we want to have a more inclusive digital society so um, the ideas that I'm taking forward from the new materiality or relational ontologies is to really decenter this idea of human agency mm -hmm. Um, so as educators, we have all we've been trained to focus on the individual learner and and the context, uh, and we've been trained to look at agency and to support learners to, you know, be better learners, to be more successful, to do this, to do yeah. that, um, and I and adult literacy is very steeped in these discourses of the individual, perhaps more so than than um, other areas of education and early childhood education mm -hmm. where they. Um, they do really value and pay attention to the collective mm -hmm. and the community. Yeah. Um, but when it gets to adult literacy in particular, we focus, I think, a hyper-individualized fo hyper focus on the individual learner mm -hmm. and, and his or her um, competencies and mm -hmm. skills. And we look at literacy then as a deficit. Um, and one of the things, things I've been very concerned about is the ways in which online interfaces are designed um, differently for differently situated people. So mm -hmm. for example, um, Microsoft or Apple or Google, they will create, they will work very hard to create really smooth user experiences yeah. Yeah. for their sites because they yeah. want people to use them. Yes. Yeah. And the user experience and, and studies. The exactly. Yeah. Exactly. They want people to be engaged and they spend a lot of time on user experience and usability. Government um, and other institutional institutions who are interested in regulating access to services mm -hmm. um, don't tend to do that. Yeah. So the user experience, um, if you want to go on to, um, I don't know if you've been on to Canadian government website lately yeah. trying yeah. to, you know, it's difficult. Yeah. immigration, yeah. Um, pensions, yeah. child benefits. Um, Provincially here in BC, social assistance, all these, um, you know, Canada student loans. When you're asked to fill in forms or go online for almost everything, every every day now yeah. we're being asked to go online to get something. Yeah. Um, those the design of those sites can be really alienating, and yeah. and yeah. I, I I wonder if it's intentional or not. But one and thing, it's frustrating. Too. It's frustrating. Yeah. So my question is, is um, and so what government, a lot of policy around digital literacy says is, well, we have to help people with their digital literacy so they can use, yeah, they can go online yeah. and use sites. Yeah. But if you really look at those sites, they're not designed to be no. used, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> at least not That's successfully. Not, yeah, exactly. So there's a really interesting assemblage yeah. between, um, the desi between design mm -hmm. um, and effective 
the kind of effective experiences or intensities, so mm -hmm. the ways in which people um, experience mm -hmm. effectively, not necessarily verbally, yeah. um, linguistically, or even about, it's not even about literacy. No, yeah. It's about um, how people are positioned and experience these kinds of um, sites mm -hmm. and the way it positions them as citizens. Mm -hmm. um, so I'm, I'm looking at then what are the design of these sites okay. and how could they be different. So, and, yeah. and this is part of the new project that you're doing, or is also involved in, with the book? Um, well, the book um, was um, the, the the piece I wrote um, for the book. Although I have to say, we all wrote the book. So yes, that was the weird. The, the thing is that we all kind of took a collective authorship nice. around because we had read and reread each other's work and diffracted some of the um, diffracted some of the uh, meanings and. So we were kind of the collective authors of all our work, and it really disrupted this idea of my, my scholarship, scholarship, your scholarship, yeah, yeah. right? We That's should be doing, exactly, you know, yeah. it's all about knowledge creation. So yeah. we should put aside this proprietary, individualized yeah. view, but, you know, all our systems, right? All, all the boundaries yeah, around what counts for TPC yes, and, yeah. um, and what counts as good scholarship is, yeah. is around these um, assemblages yeah. of hyper-individuality. Yeah. And as you said, our system, it's focused on what have you produced so I can give you a grant. So it has to be focused on the individual, right? Yes. And, and the, yeah. the collaborative aspect of knowledge is not as well seen as when you are producing and you have your own scholarship and your own ownership on on the knowledge that you're producing. Yeah, I mean, it, that's true to a certain extent, right? That um, I one thing that's really positive, I think, currently is that there is more value around collaborative and okay. interdisciplinary work. Okay, yeah. It's the view, it's the role of individual scholars to position themselves within that. Okay. Um, but I actually, I think it actually probably is encouraged. Okay. Um, but it's still about you know my paper, your paper, yes. yeah. <laughs> my research, your yeah. research. Um, and I think that there's some disruption to do there. Yeah, yeah, no. <laughs> um, but yeah, so the the article that I wrote, the the piece that I contributed that became part of <laughs> the book, the yeah. book yeah. Uh, was from a previous Shirk grant okay. on um, adult literacy and digital inequalities. And what I did was kind of reanalyzed um, the data I had collected in that project from a using new materiality. So okay. rather than just focusing on what learners and tutors were saying mm -hmm. and what they were reading, yeah. in other words, rather than just focusing on language and okay. literacy, um, I looked at um, effective intensity. So um, huh, frustration, breathing out, yeah. um, gestures, um, call-outs, uh, laughter, mm -hmm. um, Moments when you kind of just feel, ooh, something's wrong. This person's really frustrated. I need yeah. to not be a researcher right now, mm -hmm. and I need to actually it's help this person yeah. put in her password, or she's going to get kicked out of this site. Yeah, so, you know, and so it really called on me to not just put that in the background yeah. and say, oh, that didn't really happen, you know, <laughs> because the focus is on her. Yeah. But it did happen. and. And so, and how did it happen? And what was it that called us to attention in that moment? Yeah. And those are often the things that we can't really see, yeah. we can't hear, but we feel them. Yeah. And sure. so, trying to write from write with the embodiment of our everyday pedagogical mm -hmm. encounters was what we were trying to do. <laughs> yeah. Very interesting. And how yeah. was your experience uh, as 
as a scholar, preparing all of this new ways of observing people and, 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 and moving yourself from the, the researcher position and say, well, but this person needs help, right? How is that personally for you? Um, it's, well, we're kind of, it's interesting because, um, I mean, I was trained in qualitative inquiry. Okay. So we were always trained with the idea that we're always, you know, involved in a site. Yeah. <laughs> we can't sit in the corner exactly. and, and take notes. And pretend we're not there. Oh, don't mind me. Just yeah. pretend I'm not here, right? That's what often in f traditional ethnographic field research we're told to kind of just stay in the background and be participants. Yeah. And then there's participant observer, observer, which is acknowledging that we are always a participant. Yeah. <laughs> Even if we're standing in the room, we're changing yeah. the encounter. So then there's the next step, which, um, which um, Tim Ingold writes about and was very important for me in, in really pushing along my insights, is, um, is the idea of the observant participant. Mm -hmm. So we are always participating, and so let's just be clear about that, and let's ask ourselves how we are participating. Yeah. So if the goal of, of research is to change the world, mm -hmm and to effect change mm -hmm. in the moment, then let's not take our field notes um, and leave yeah. and watch people get kicked out of their accounts and watch you know, some people feel really upset about yeah. trying to get onto a job site. Let's not document that and say, oh, these are all the problems that mm -hmm. people experience uh, and take it away and publish it somewhere. Yeah. But leave these people still, leave, leave the situation as it is. Mm -hmm. Ingle says, we are implicated already as participants in that moment yeah. and it's our work to observe carefully mm -hmm. but also to push things along in the moment yeah. and that is research too yeah. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> and we can learn as much doing that as yeah. we can um, and, and a lot more mm -hmm. um, than we if we just document what people do and yeah. take it away yeah. Yeah. Um, and yeah. then and then what is the effect in the world mm -hmm. it's I it's great for me yeah. I could go and publish other people's difficulties it's true. Um, but I don't think it's great for for really research relationships mm -hmm. in the field and 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 I learned an incredible amount just by the tension I felt in my own body mm -hmm. sitting next to someone struggling with mm -hmm. these sites and asking them what is it that you are seeing here where is the difficulty how is this um, affecting you what do you think yeah. um, because I could feel the tension and frustration too, mm -hmm. um, as opposed to you know yeah, standing just, back and pretending that didn't it didn't involve it me. Involved. Yeah, so yeah. It, it affected you personally. Yes, yeah. yes, as research, as everything does, right? Exactly. Yeah, we cannot <laughs> yeah. just pretend that we are in a corner observing, as yeah. you said. Um, can you tell us a little bit more about the the benefits of this project that you're working on on on, on the educational community? Yeah, well, again, um, early days. <laughs> um, but the current, so this research that I did basically was a way for me to really understand how to do this kind of research, um, what kinds of approaches worked, what pedagogies um, seem really important in these community settings mm -hmm. where people come off the street and they say, I need help with this, and tutors work mm -hmm. with them. So. It's very kind of unscripted learning. Um, we don't know what's going to happen from day to day. Mm -hmm. um, and I spent a lot of like over two years in this one site. Um, and I continue to be, you know, have relationships with the site, but I'm not doing um, field research there right now. Um, 
so I think what I've published from that work has really been about um, making visible the ways in which the design of these sites the effective intensities, the emotions and things really do matter. Mm -hmm. That it's not just about individual literacy deficits. That if only people could read better, they, mm -hmm. they'd be able to go online and get their stuff easier. Yeah. Um, and I think where I'm heading now is that it's not only about going online, it's, it's fundamentally about citizenship. Okay. Because if there are some people who have the resource and tools to fly through these forms, mm -hmm. And I don't think anybody does, but yeah. some people are better at assembling resources yeah. to do this than others. Then we're going to have a very unequal um, and exclusionary form of mm -hmm. citizenship in a digital world. Yeah. Um, yeah, so that's the kind of work I'm doing now and, and working in community settings, um, doing some training with um, new tutors okay. in ways of kind of paying attention to these things oh, rather than saying, well, you need you know, your reading yeah, yes. isn't good, or, yeah. you know. So it's it's kind of, for me, conceptual, re changing what it means to be literate in a digital world. Mm -hmm. and I think that's where the research is going. And, you know, maybe, you know, the, where, where digital technologies are heading is yeah. going to, is already changing literacy fundamentally. Yeah. And so those are, that's kind of where my research yeah. is, uh, is going. It's going, yeah. It, it sounds very innovative since that, Things are changing with technology and VR, so infusing technology. Um, what what would you say that has been the challenges of, on this project for you? Um, well, as I shift, so I guess one of the challenges is shifting gears. So okay. I feel like um, the after two years of working in one community setting um, that has undergone itself a lot of changes because yeah. many of the people who used to come to that setting. Um, have lost their homes. All yeah. the three-story walk-ups in that community were torn down. Yeah. Huge high-rises have been built. Um, we don't know who lives in them, but <laughs> yeah. we don't think very many people at all, and yeah. especially not people who will come need the services of the digital cafe. So um, one of the most difficult things is, is to kind of um, account for or work with these, this continual kind of displacement and the changing terrain. Of the of digital technologies, mm -hmm. but also how digital technologies um, are very much embedded in other kinds of social systems, mm -hmm. like housing, um, immigration, income, work, automation, and yeah. work um, algorithms, mm -hmm. and how they privilege some people, yeah. and another right new area of research. So I guess one of the challenges is kind of drawing some boundaries around my work and where it's gonna <laughs> where I'm gonna focus. And, and what I have to let go, because yeah. it kind of feels right now that everything matters. Yeah. Um, and those are the gentle cuts. Yeah. So I guess it's what cuts do I make, exactly. because we have to make some cuts. Yeah. Um, and then I guess what, I, what I'm hoping then to do is, as I'm thinking and playing with that, and, and maybe just following it along and see where it leads, mm -hmm. is, um, is I'm doing much more research in, the, in downtown Vancouver. Okay. And that's where um, the participatory design, mm -hmm. which is um, a new project that I'm starting, that I've just been underway for about a year, where uh, we ask people what kinds of digital interfaces and websites oriented to services okay. um, would work for them. Okay. What does it look like to have an easy-to-use service? Mm -hmm. What are... Um, 
and that from the idea of the functionality of the actual uh, search, you know, the certain way the search architecture is set up, right down to whether the services are even available when you click on it. Yeah. Right? Yeah, yeah sometimes it doesn't work. And I, yes. Yeah. And as one person said it so eloquently, it's better to have no information than inaccurate information. Yeah, yeah. If you are homeless and it is cold <laughs> and they say a shelter is open and you yeah. get there and it's not, it's not. Yeah. It's, that's worse than not having had to yeah, go. Exactly. So we're really playing again with those very kind of those assemblages of um, how our society is organized mm -hmm. and then how the digital technologies are entrenching and also also I guess have the opportunity to disrupt inequalities. Okay. And where are you at this project right now? Um, we just finished we did about 50 interviews with oh, people wow. and some yeah. observations to observant um, participation <laughs> in um, uh, um, activities, just asking people and paying attention to how people navigate the digital ecosystem downtown. Okay. Who has access? What does it mean? Um, what does it mean to have access? Mm -hmm. Are, if you use a cell phone, is it the same as an iPad? Very right. few people have iPads downtown Vancouver, yeah. Yeah. at least in the you know downtown east side. Um, uh, gender. Like there's very gendered oh, spaces wow. around technology. Mm -hmm. When you go to some drop-in centers, yeah. it there's tons of men with laptops, oh. having yeah. a, and they're learning and they're sitting together and they're like it's almost like it's a huge thing, yeah. and it's a wonderful learning community and mm -hmm. there's a lot of co-learning going on, yeah. but many of the women we've interviewed have said that they don't necessarily feel safe in those spaces, oh, and that so do some technology spaces default mm -hmm. to. Um, to become more male-dominated? Why yeah. is that? How can yeah. it be disrupted? Yeah. Um, are there opportunities for women-only digital learning spaces? Where should they be? Mm -hmm. um, what are the effects of um, kind of intermittent or inaccessible free Wi-Fi mm -hmm. downtown? Are you yeah. pushed? Are you being pushed into places that aren't necessarily safe? Because yeah. at night, especially if you need free Wi-Fi, yeah. because of course we know. Internet and data in Canada is really expensive. Yeah, yeah. Wow, so many interesting Yeah, questions. there's always yeah. interesting kind of geographical, and, and I'm certainly not the only person to look <laughs> at these, right? So um, I'm really very interested in the research that's looking at some of the geospatial dynamics of mm -hmm. technologies and, um, and how they might intersect or interact with, um, with ideas of literacy. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, those are very important questions, and uh, as I'm hearing you saying, it, I've never thought about how gender also will play uh, an important um, safe kind of environment for women when they want to access the in internet or access technology. Right? Uh, that's yeah. very interesting. It was a surprise to us. I mean, yes and no, a surprise, right? Okay. Because yeah. um, we know that a lot of tech companies and um, and STEM in universities tend to attract men. They, there's a gender, there's a, yes, there's there's a, a gender, gender ecosystem and yeah. environment that doesn't feel very welcoming to women. Uh, and we know that we're working on it. So mm -hmm. it's, it's not a surprise that it should also be the case in community settings. Yeah. Um, but it was not something we were looking for. Yeah. It, but it was certainly there, and it feels yeah. like it's something that we need to yeah, really look at. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. What else can you share with us that you have learned so far from this project? Um, well, what's coming out now? We're just at we're just at the moment now where um, we are producing um, vignettes from the research, 
and one-pagers because we did the interviews and the research in four different community, four different settings downtown, mm -hmm. with four kind of very different constituents. Uh, and so we are now going back to those constituents and sharing what we learned from the research. Oh, okay. um, so we're making some. So what's interesting there is how to tell these stories in ways that um, are evocative mm -hmm. and get to the very richness of what people said. Yeah without crowding it with too much theory and yeah. all that kind of stuff, right? Yeah. So trying to make it, but people have their own rich theories yeah, and interpretations true. of yeah. how they're experiencing their lives, and so we want to honor that. So yeah. right now it's a way, it's a it's part of data analysis, yeah. I suppose, and sharing. Yeah. So yeah. that's a challenge, but it's very rewarding. Um, yeah. We're using kind of more of a storytelling approach and mm -hmm. taking, um, using day in the life mm -hmm. and then bringing different experiences into kind of one person yeah. like a, a character or yeah. a person so that we can follow their trajectories and try to get at the issues mm -hmm. so that the community members can then respond and say that resonates with me that doesn't you're missing this and so on um, so that's where we're at now and then the next stage will be um, to include to actually talk about design so mm -hmm. where are the how is our digital ecosystem designed in downtown? Um, how could it be different? Mm -hmm. And we're going to be using some geo... Um, I haven't done, done this before, no. but I wanna, I'm going to be learning. Yeah. Um, doing some geo-mapping oh, of okay. digital spaces that people like, um, that they use, that they feel are low barrier, that oh. they feel are accessible, and what makes them so. Mm -hmm. um, and then where are the spaces in the community where access is low or where there are difficulties? And so we know, for example, that people who use shelters often get their cell phones stolen. Yeah. And so that's yeah. a, that would be an example of, of a place of difficulty, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. And it's a devastating thing to have yeah. your cell phone stolen yeah. if everything is on there. Exactly. You yeah. know, Especially um, when all you have might be that phone. Right? Exactly. So those are like kind of the things we really want to be able to address. Yeah. Um, and uh, so that would be the first stage is to map the digital ecosystem. And then the second stage is, um, is to work with tech designers okay. and have like, um, I don't know if you've heard of hackathons, but we're going to have people come together mm -hmm. and say, these are the, all the issues that we're experiencing with digital access mm -hmm. in this community. This is what makes it hard for us to find information. This is what makes it hard for us to um, access education mm -hmm. and so on. Yeah. Um, and some of those, uh, and so, and work with designers to kind of change the design of some of the most frequently used sites mm -hmm. so that they are working with the needs of the community. So okay. more like, so participatory yeah. design. Oh, so it's going to be a new thing. I haven't done that yeah. before, but I think it'll be exciting. Um, and then I guess the third thing that we're learning and that, I'm struggling with is I'm, t I'm studying digital technologies and literacy but often the solutions to these things are not technological yeah. <laughs> it's always like that huh? right they're political yeah. and social yeah. Yeah. yeah they're about how we create the world we live in exactly yeah there's yeah. so many layers right yeah yeah okay yeah. well yeah. thank you so much for sharing all yeah of this thank you always <laughs> hope that was comprehensible yeah no I think that um, you, you've been doing a phenomenal job and and so much needed. Um, so thank you so much. But I, I have one more question. Sure, is there sure. anything else that you want to share with us that we haven't taught, or anything that you think that um, is very important? That um... 
I guess what I've learned from this project is how much we can benefit from taking on theories that we don't think are related directly to our work. Um, we're trained to um, to do scholarship within particular theories and frameworks and those are the ones that we use to think about our work and analyze and I've learned that we should be a lot more I guess promiscuous <laughs> or uh, um, open mm -hmm. to going further afield and looking at theories and concepts uh, from physics, from biology, from climate science, from um, neuroscience, there's so much incredible research going on um, that is telling us more and more about our bodies, mm -hmm. um, about humans' yeah. lack of exceptionality. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I guess if I were to, uh, you know, continuing on, be a lot um, less um, interested in having the same, working with the same theories mm -hmm. and being consistent with those and rather look at um, what new things open up. And, you know, so these are ideas, this idea of opening up our scholarship is really what Natalie Sinclair um, brought to our group in the Disrupting Boundaries um, book. Uh, and of course, there's scholars Lisa Mazai, Alicia Youngblood, Karen Barad, Bronwyn Davies, <laughs> many, you know, really um, wonderful scholars who are showing us how we can think differently and think with theories differently. And so that's very much kind of um, what I'm inspired by right now. Mm. When, when we are open to other concepts, yeah. it means reading more broadly. Yeah, yeah. Um, but that's where collaborative scholarship comes yeah. in too. We can only yeah. read so much, so this is why I think um, it's so great to go to films, uh, have meetings with scholars yeah. uh, who do co research completely different, different to you, yeah. um, listen to podcasts, <laughs> <laughs> right, that give us new ideas. Mm -hmm. um, I think we've been taught to kind of be hyper-focused mm -hmm. and specialized yeah. in our work, but I think we're at a time in our history when we need to open up. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Thank you. Research in Focus podcast is produced by the Faculty of Education at Simon Fraser University. Stay up to date on the faculty by visiting our research website at sfu.ca slash education slash research and focus and by subscribing to us on iTunes. Thank you for listening.